What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of At Large Big here on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. We are now midway through the season already. I can't believe we're mere two months away from Selection Sunday, which is awesome slash insane with how we're already in fact in 2022. So hopefully your new year is off to a great start. Uh, I am Tim Daniel here with Taylor Burkfeld. And Taylor, I know this is a little different because we had a lot of cancellations over the past few weeks. So we're going to kind of go a little bit call it kind of our mid-year review, I guess we're going to call it, uh, talking about different programs and different teams. And while we're doing that, though, I want to kind of talk about a few games. And I really want to talk about LSU-Kentucky from last night. And obviously just a really, really crazy game. Um, the weird-ass ending, just how everything went. And it just was kind of like this cool game of runs where, like, Kellen Grady was god terrible in the first half. I think he was, like, one of nine. He comes out for the second half, and he's hitting, like, every three possible um, on the other end of that, you've got players like, uh, obviously I want to talk a lot about Tari Easton just because I have a familiarity with him from seeing him play at Cincinnati last year. Um, but you know, Grady was really good. And the rest of the team besides like Jacob Toppin was kind of meh. And then on the other side with LSU, um, you know, Tari Easton led the team with 13 points, but Z- but, uh, Xavier Pinson gave them big minutes and so did Brandon Murray, who's a freshman guard. Um, really honestly at the point where, we're at a point now where LSU is 13 and one after this win last night against a good Kentucky team. And I got, I think we got to start talking about like how impressive this team might actually be. Yeah. Normally when you think of LSU, it's, it's high powered offense with uh, Trendon Watford, Cam Thomas, um, guys like that from last year where they can score a hundred on you, but they're going to give up 110 and it's going to be the last team with the ball pretty much is going to win. Um, but yeah. this year it's kind of been a, a shift of, you know, identity. They've, they've been really, really good defensively. Last night was kind of another effort that, I mean, 65-60 a win over Kentucky. Um, they kind of have murderer's row to start the SEC. They played at um, at Auburn. They played Kentucky at home. They go Tennessee at home, at Florida, Arkansas at home, at Alabama, Tennessee away is their next five games. So that's a really tough where you're playing the upper echelon of the uh, SEC. Um, and then, you know, towards the middle of the year, they get the Ole Miss, Vandy, AM, Mississippi State, Georgia kind of run where they can kind of, you know, hedge out with some of the wins and losses that they might take in the next couple of games. But I'm with you, 13 and 1. Um, you know, their non conference was a little bit lackluster, but they took care of what they needed to. Um, I think Will Wade's a phenomenal coach, you know, coach uh, or a runner of yes. organization is another way of putting that. But um, that's here nor there. But I, I'm really impressed at how, how he kind of got his guys to buy in defensively. This is a team that's missing their point guard, Adam Miller, that the transfer from Illinois, who's out for the year. I think a, guy, a piece like that can give them another level offensively. Uh, you know, as for Kentucky, I don't think it's anything to, you know, buy no. low, sell high your stock on. It's a tough road game on the SEC. Severe Wheeler getting knocked out early on a screen kind of, you know, you lose your point guard, that kind of hurts. But I love the aggressiveness from Kellen Grady. Ty Ty Washington gets hurt. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those games the way it goes. Jacob Toppin, uh, Toppin's emergence has been nice. He's a guy that I, wasn't nice. a, I was not that high on coming into the year, and he's kind of proved me wrong on some things. He's athletic enough to score, and he's got a, a, a good enough feel for the game to know where he can kind of thrive in those roles. Oscar's a monster. I think he is phenomenal. If he can finish around the rim, you know, he's – his rebounding stats are so good because he misses a lot of bunnies. So we need him to clean that up a little bit if you're a UK fan. But two high-level SEC teams, I think the best conference in college basketball is the SEC this year. And I think Kentucky is up or up there with them. I just think LSU got them at home this time. And I think Kentucky will get their revenge maybe in uh, in Lexington here um, towards the end of February. So, Yeah, I did too. Um, you know, lots obviously happened since we last really talked. 
we had Villanova Seton Hall. It seems like Villanova's kind of getting back on their trend from Saturday. Um, I still really like Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. I think they're really good and yep. nice to see them playing again. Uh, last night, Seton Hall had a win over Butler at Hinkle, um, where once again, we get another crazy game from uh, Jared Roden and from Bryce Aiken. Uh, but, you know, really kind of seeing this Seton Hall team um, who kind of took the punches from Villanova. I think Villanova just played outstanding Saturday. You know, they're a team that's trying to get things right. They obviously had to come back against Xavier in the second half. And they're a very experienced team. So you kind of knew this was going to come. We talked about being worried about Villanova our last episode. And it seems like they're kind of getting back to where they are. But this is about the Pirates of Seton Hall. This is about how well they're playing right now. Um, and last night, I mean, I don't think Butler's tremendous by any reason, by any such of the matter. I don't know if they're necessarily a tournament team. But, you know, they had to deal with a really big scoring game from Bryce Golden. And they had to really deal with a really nice game from Bryce Nezzi. And they still managed to kind of hold those guys and kind of take over the game uh, like i said Roden had 17 points so the seton hall team i think they're starting to enter that big east echelon with the novas the xaviers um i was gonna say providence and then they got smoked by marquette so i, I think the game to watch in the big east this weekend saturday it's um yukon going to seton hall yeah uh, that'll big be a game. game saturday so i think yukon and seton hall are both you know three and four maybe in the big east depending on kind of where you're ranking them and this is a good spot for one of those teams to take that leap into that upper echelon if yukon can prove they can win you know at seton hall then maybe they're ready for the conversation of hey like yeah there is nova there is xavier but we're we're ready for the party as well um i, I love the seton hall team i love bryce aiken i think he's a tremendous guard you know it's all all been about getting his health back together for him um, he's been kind of injury ridden since he's left Harvard but you know Kevin Willard's a really good coach I don't I think this is his last year at Seton Hall I think he'll be the Maryland coach if they have any sense of you know any sense in Maryland I think you would hire that guy but I love what he does X's and O's I think he's phenomenal I think this is another classic Seton Hall team that's rough they can kind of win however you want if you want to slow the ball down and make you value every possession they're ready to grind it out with you but if you kind of want to get out and run and gun Jared Roten's good enough to kind of lead the the Pirates in transition so yeah, I totally agree with that. Last game I kind of want to touch on before we get into our segments. Um, Wisconsin at Purdue happened mm-hmm. on Monday. And Wisconsin goes into Purdue and gets the win. And that's one part of the story because Wisconsin's certainly much better than we thought they'd be. Uh, we uh, talked we said the on the, the Maui preview pod, we said they would lose first round of Texas A&M. They ended up winning the whole thing. So Yes. Shows and, what we know. Right, shows what we know. And the biggest, bigger reason that we want to talk about them is Johnny Davis. Uh, Davis had 37 points and 14 rebounds in this game. He was 13 of 24 from the field, uh, 9 of 12 from the line. I really like the fact that he can put his nose down and get to the hoop. Um, he's a sophomore, but he's a guy that, look, I later in this show, I'm going to show my top 60 from last week when I was stuck in, in quarantine. And he's going to be already, when the next one comes up, going to be way higher than I had him. But uh, Davis has obviously led this Wisconsin team to an 11-2 start. They are a factor in the Big Ten, especially with Michigan being down. Um, so really kind of, I mean, I'm very impressed with Wisconsin. It's kind of a little, you know, it's still your typical Wisconsin of slow the ball down, but also Johnny Davis is like the most exciting Badger. I think I've seen play basketball there in a, forever, maybe since like. I'm with you. They, they, I mean, Frank Kaminsky, <laughs> Sam, Sam, Sam Decker. Sam Decker. Yeah, Bison's awesome. Decker. Right. Bronson Koenig, he was really fun to watch too. Um, sorry for the Xavier wounds. I just opened up for the listeners, but no, I, I think this Wisconsin team, they're legit. I, I mean, I really do. They're up to 32 in Ken Palm, 11 and two losses at Ohio state. 
um, in Providence early in the year. And that Providence loss, a lot of people were like, oh, man, this is kind of going to be a bad year for Wisconsin. And they kind of turned it around ever since then. Um, yeah, Johnny Davis, Johnny Davis is phenomenal. He played in the FIBA um, 16U or 17U this summer with Jaden Ivey, with some guys like that. Um, you know, he clearly was one of the starters on that team, and he's kind of – elevated his place since then um phenomenal in that game him and ivy were trading buckets after buckets um i mean he's a lottery pick as of right now he's a guy that wisconsin hasn't had in a while and i think he's a guy that you know if brad davidson's not hitting i think you're very well being like hey johnny you're gonna shoot 18 to 20 times a game we're just gonna ride the hot hand um i kind of want to shift more towards purdue this game doesn't ring the alarm bells for me or the panic button or whatever you want to call it but it's something to monitor. Their defense, you know, early in the year when they played Villanova, when they played North Carolina, even they got into a track meet with Carolina, who was, you know, abysmal defensively, which they've gotten better. But I think Purdue, you know, the, there was two possessions at the end of the game where Davis had 28, 29 points, and they're, you know, just leading him, like wide open, helping off the man. Wisconsin, Brad Davidson drives to the right, kicks it out far left corner, and Johnny Davis is wide open. Like, you can't have the one guy that's beating you wide open for a three to kind of put you away. Um, I still love their offense. Jaden Ivey is phenomenal. Zach Eady, monster. Travion Williams is so smart with the ball that when the you know the pack line defense comes, he loves to kick it out to Sasha or to Jaden Ivey. I think Purdue is fine. I think I'm not worried about them long term, but there is that level of like there is that doubt now in the back of my mind where I'm like, I don't know if they can get a stop when they truly need it, which if you're trying to win six games in a row in March, they're gonna need to get a few stops. And so I'm not ready to just kind of cash my Purdue national championship ticket that I've been clamoring all year. So yeah, they're still the best offense in the country. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, their timely defensive stops are definitely worrisome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jaden Ivey's phenomenal. He's, you know, awesome. He's a guy we're going to be talking about for the draft for a long time. And, you know, they have some, you know, they have Penn State coming up. They have Michigan coming up. That's a whole other story. And Nebraska. Um, and then they have Illinois and Indiana, which, you know, the Hoosiers, as uh, Parker saw, a lot better than a lot of people thought as well. Uh, really good defensively. Yeah, they lost at Penn State last week, which kind of hurts. But yeah, um, yeah, good defensively, offensive, still kind of a wild wild card. Mike Woodson's got to kind of get a little bit of time to get his system implemented there. So a team that you kind of just mentioned that I want to talk about is a team from the Big Ten. And, you know, this kind of gets into our segments of just recapping teams like the half. I'd say right before uh, right before conference play starts, we're going to give like we'll just give some grades out for how they've done. Um, preseason top five team in Ken Palm now down to, they are right now in Ken Palm, the Michigan Wolverines. They are 27th at a record of seven and six. They lose yeah. last night at Rutgers 75, 67. They lose Thursday, um, to UCF at a UCF 85, 71. The panic button might be out from Michigan Wolverines fans. So it's kind of just want to gauge where you're at first and then I'll kind of follow kind of follow what you're you're spitting out here. Yeah, I'm definitely worried. I think um the Rutgers loss, you know, conference play shit happens. Um Rutgers has pulled some crazy wins out so far mm-hmm. this year. I don't necessarily know if I have Rutgers as an NCAA tournament team, but um their wins are starting to stack up. You know, and I did I am worrisome because if you look at the teams they've lost to, so they lost to Seton Hall and they played really well. Um, they lost Arizona. Obviously, Arizona's awesome. They lost North Carolina big. And, you know, I know that's a lot, that's a sensitive subject for a lot of people right now, but I think North Carolina is going to end up okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Minnesota, obviously, Ben Johnson's done a much better job there than anyone expected. Um, but the UCF loss is the one that kind of concerns me. I don't think they're a bad basketball team necessarily. I mean, they're, you know, top 50 on Ken Palm, but that's the game you got to feel comfortable with Michigan winning with their talent levels. Um, especially now, I mean, Michigan State on Saturday, 
you know, they've played up and down a little bit. Uh, you got Purdue on Tuesday and you've got Illinois on Friday and Illinois has really set their game up quite a bit, especially since the Arizona loss. I mean, as a been... murderer's row of opponents when you're struggling. Yes. Um, so I am hitting the panic button as well. I'm just, I'm, I'm really worried about their execution. Um, you know, I still really like Juwan Howard. I think it's probably just going to be one. Of, it might just be one of those off years where they didn't live up to expectations. They're still a really good basketball, like offensive team and defensively can be an up and down, but yeah, man, when it comes to like where they are to where we thought they'd be, I'm definitely worried. I mean, they need more production out of Eli Brooks and Caleb Houston, both are shooting 30, 31% and 36% from three um, guys that, you know, they really need to step up and hit outside shots because Diabate is great defensively. Dickinson's mm-hmm. awesome on the inside, but they have no one to stretch the floor. And, you know, it's a problem compared to last year where they had, um, you know, Franz Wagner, they had Isaiah Livers, guys that, you know, even not in the tournament, they had um, Shondi Brown, right? Yeah, Shondi Brown was on the team. Guys that just could knock down pitiful shots, uh, but this year they do not have that. Um, I wouldn't say anything on Juwan. I think, you know, it's one of those. I do think we were a little quick to crown him as the next best coach in college basketball. He was gifted a final four roster and yeah. you know, went to the elite eight and had a good year, but you know, it's year three here and he's struggling seven and six early on a team that he recruited. So let's not quick to you know, crown him as the savior of Michigan basketball when they had a pretty good one before. That's just my take on it. But overall the panic button's out. I haven't hammered it yet, but it's firmly over it. If they don't, I, I think they need to go two and one on this stretch. They got to win. Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, got to win both those. Can't lose to – and then at Illinois, I'm okay with giving giving a loss there just because Illinois has been playing well. They've been shooting phenomenal from three, but got to win Michigan State. You got to win Purdue. If they lose both or one, I'm firmly concerned. So Yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty fascinated the fact that Cincinnati beat Illinois. I'm not going to lie to you. I with still Kofi. can't believe it. With yeah, Kofi. and Corbello. Yeah, what a world. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll talk about Iowa State real quick as far mm-hmm. as this buy sell. So they obviously just took their first loss against Baylor. And we talked a lot about, you know, preseason NIT. They beat Xavier. They beat Memphis. And we're, you know, after that, they beat Creighton. They beat Iowa. Um, but then they go and beat Jackson State by only scoring 47 points. And then they lose at Baylor. Um, it was, you know, the best team in the country. You know, I don't think anyone's kind of fighting that this mo- at the moment, the best team in the country. But I don't know if I really love their offense. Um, you know, look, they're a top 10 defensive team in the country. But if you look at what's coming up, Texas Tech can score. Oklahoma can score. We know what Kansas and Texas bring you. So Iowa State, I don't think, has the guys to get buckets to keep up with these teams. So I think I'm a little worried that this great start is going to start crashing down soon. This reminds me of when Arizona State beat Kansas and Lawrence with Remy Martin and... Um... Ohio State transfer it was like three years ago. They were like 13 and one, and then they got into conference play and just got rolled out the gym. Um, I, I will say tonight for the Texas Tech game, I gave it out as one of our best bets. Um, I, you know, post listening to this as of now, but the Terrence Shannon's not playing, and a couple other guys for Texas Tech are coming off COVID pauses. So I think they can do enough defensively to win this game. But yes, I'm with you. The Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech stretch, especially when you have to go to Lubbock. That's a big test for you. If you can go two and two, three and one, obviously, you know, you're going to write the ship, but this is a big time for them as a great non-conference as they had. The teams that they beat in the preseason in IT aren't other than Xavier. The Memphis win isn't looking as dominant as they would have hoped, but I'm with you. Uh, you know, only scoring 47 points against Jackson state is troubling, but their defense is good enough to, to keep them around the big 12. I just don't know if they're gonna be able to score enough against some teams that they have to, to maybe um, 
finish where they went to in the conference standings. I still think they're a tournament team as of right now. I do too. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely kind of there with you. I don't. I don't know. Should we? Should we do the Memphis conversation? Or should we just kind of call it, Let's what do it, is it at this point? It, I think it is what it is, right? I think yeah. you know they, they play at Tulane. They don't have Jalen Duran. They don't have Imani Bates. They don't have DeAndre Williams. They lose. You have to win that game. You have to win that game. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, right now they're looking at they have to win the AAC to get in, and that's hilarious looking at the talent that they have. So, yeah, Sunday will, they play Cincinnati. At will home. Penny Hardaway be the head coach of Memphis next year? Yes. Oh, I'll say no. Yeah, I think. I think um, I think they still realize the money he's bringing into the program is going to kind of pay dividends regardless of what's happening on the floor. That's fair. I, yeah. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, I like them. Um, I just don't know how much I like them anymore. I still think they have what it takes to sneak into the tournament, but, you know, it's kind of come down to defense and effort are not the issue with this team. It's just executing a freaking offense, man. Like we have, we're yet to see him execute an offense at all. And we've had the same conversation every episode now. So it is what it is. Don't value the ball. Take dumb shots. Just rely on their athleticism to win on defense. That's not a recipe that's going to win you anything in college that's meaningful. So yeah, where we're at. Cool. Who do you want to talk about? Um, I have a couple teams. We'll go, we'll go first. Um, we'll start with Texas. So we mentioned it on previous pods that Chris Beard, you know, love him as a coach, has arguably, not even arguably, his most talented roster, and yet they're playing out of possession per, you know, they're playing so slow this year. The West Virginia game um, last Saturday was a good test for them. They got out and ran a little bit. Now West Virginia was down, uh, gave us a boyan and Taz Sherman. So really, Texas only had to rely on stopping Sean McNeil. But I liked what I saw out of Texas. Courtney Ramey's getting a little bit better. Andrew Jones is playing a little bit better. I love Trey Mitchell. I think he's phenomenal. Less Devin Askew, less Brock Cunningham, and I think that's a recipe for Texas to continue being well. But I, I'm, it's an enigma. I don't know if Chris Beard's used to having this much talent, and year one it might be just a transition, but he's got to let the horses run, especially against some teams like Kansas. You can't have that many athletes on the court and try to make it a, you know, make it a 40, 50, 60 possession game when it should be in the 70s and 80s. So that's kind of where I'm at with Texas. I really like them still. I think that just they're so good defensively and they can't mm-hmm. score enough. Yes, mm-hmm. they play slow, but they hit their shots. Um, and you look at the stretch coming up. I mean, for the next five, you know, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU, and Oklahoma State again. Um, I don't really know if any of those teams can really score with them. Right. Um, so, I like, if you, if you tell me that Texas is going to go out there and go six and zero in that stretch, like. I'm going to believe you. Um, I just think that they're, they're that skilled. And, you know, I know obviously we look at the Seton Hall loss and the Texas loss, but I mean the Gonzaga loss, but those are good teams, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it was just about them for, many me, times. for me, it was more the lack of non-conference opponents that they had, that they lost the two biggest games that they had. That kind of makes it hard to be like, all right, they're a national title favorite, but they solidify themselves in the big 12, make a run. We're, right, we're having that conversation heading into March. Like we always do. So it's kind of where yeah. I'm at with them. Um, cool. Next next team I want to talk about, um, a team that is, I think, my favorite team in the SEC. I hate the coach. It's the Auburn Tigers. And, wow, A, Jabari Smith is phenomenal. B, yes. Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler wants to play out on the perimeter. And B, kind of a floating four or five. That man is a rim-protecting scoring machine. And his defense can alter any team in the SEC, let alone in the country as well. I am very in on this um, Auburn team. They have guards that are playing like Jared Harper. They're pulling up from 40 feet. They're running and gunning. 
I think that style of basketball is really hard to prepare against and really hard to get into a rhythm against when, especially if Auburn starts hitting their shots, because Jabari Smith is phenomenal, and I am all in on him. Put me down as one of the people that thinks Auburn can win the title. Oh, they for sure can. Yeah, yeah. They top are. twenty, top twenty offense in the country, top five defense in the country. Like you mentioned, Harper, Kessler, Smith. Their the roster goes down the list of just like how good they can be. Um, so I'm very excited about this team. I'm with you. I am not a Bruce Pearl guy whatsoever. But Jabari Smith is appointment television, and he there's a reason right now we're talking about him as a top three pro- player in the country uh, as far as the NBA draft coming up. And See, shooting forty three percent from three. Yeah, and it, it's 32 of 32 of 73. Now that doesn't sound obviously perfect, but I mean that's a lot of attempts for a guy that's six ten. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know, Wendell Green, KD Johnson, you know, like I said, Walker Kessler, Zepp Jasper. You get on the list of this Auburn team, and you go, oh shit, they're really good. Yeah. So count me in, man. I'm in. I'm with you. I think they win the SEC. That's my firm take. Yeah. And their only loss this year is a double overtime battle for Atlanta's 115 to 109 loss to UConn, which was crazy game. So yeah, they've beaten Syracuse. They've beaten, I guess it doesn't sound as they've beaten Syracuse. They've beaten Nebraska. They've beaten LSU. They beat South Carolina, St. Louis, um, some good mid majors in there, but some of these ways, the ways that they're winning some of these games, 88, 86, 64 over Yale, 99, 68 over Nebraska, 70 to 55 over LSU. Like, a good LSU team, they scored 70 on. So imagine what they're going to do against a team like, you know, South, or against Georgia who can't stop me and you. So, yeah. Georgia beat um, Never forget unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they lost to Gardner Webb by like 15. Yep. Yeah. That was in uh, Cincinnati. What, all right. Higher or lower? What is your, do you have Kim Pom pulled up? Yeah. Okay. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. So, oh, okay. higher or lower? What do you have? Georgia's Kim Pom rating 175. Lower. It they are two hundred and thirteenth in the country. <laughs> a power five school, Georgia. They are five and nine. Losers of three straight. 86-84 to East Tennessee State. Seventy-seven to sixty to Gardner Webb. Eighty-one seventy-nine to Texas A&M. And up next on Saturday, they play the Kentucky Wildcats in Rupp. Whatever the spread is, perfect get back game for Kentucky. Hammer it. Hammer it. Did you hammer it. I saw some of the stat today. Tom Crean in the SEC is 14 and 41. <clears throat> Holy cow. That is terrible. Fire that man. Yes. Yes. See ya. And had Anthony Edwards. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Number one pick. So. Yeah. What a world. All right. Two more teams I want to touch on. Um, and we'll kind of get to our last couple segments. Uh, team near and dear to my heart. They are playing your Notre Dame Irish tonight at nine o'clock on ESPN. So tomorrow or yesterday when you're listening to this. Spreads minus two. It's the North Carolina Tar Heels. I want to. I want some non a non biased answer. Are they're the second best team in the ACC? Which is not saying much, but they are definitely the second best team in the ACC, right? I would say so. Um, yeah. Good luck trying to stop Blake Wesley tonight. By the way, mm-hmm. um, he's yeah. freaking awesome. Man. Oh yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. So oh my god, I'm so happy he went to Notre Dame. Um, I really like this Tar Heel team as far as on the offensive side of the ball. I think they can score. Very well. Um, I know you're a little bit down on Caleb Love and his play of late, but I still really like him. Um, you know, RJ Davis, Brady Manick, Amanda Bacot, Dawson Garcia. This isn't me just naming names to like, like prove who they are, but I think those guys are still high level NCAA basketball players. So I like this Tar Heel team. I think they can definitely go with some. I think they'll beat Notre Dame tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I like them more than I like Virginia. I don't yeah, think Virginia's definitely. that great. My, my thing so is it's like, 
when when's their you know what's gonna be their toughest before Duke you know Wake Forest yeah they got Notre Dame Virginia G Tech Miami Wake Boston College NC State Louisville so they have really got the bottom tier of the ACC right now except for Wake Forest they've been playing really well re- recently but before that Louisville game um, they should really take care of business and pretty much every one of those games. I don't really know if they should lose one. Um, no, they probably will just because it's conference play and, you, you know, you lose it one or two, you shouldn't. But, um, yeah, ACC is really bad. I think Carolina needs to really handle themselves to get a get a proper seed in the tournament, like a 5-6 seed, which is crazy that I'm even settling for that, um, considering what I'm used to. But my biggest thing is that they've gotten – so the they held Boston College at 65, Appalachian State to 50, Kentucky they got – Absolutely, the doors blown off of them. So Furman to 61, Elon to 63, Georgia Tech 62, Michigan 51. So the defense has gotten better. Um, I, I, their offense is still an enigma. So for anybody watching, if you watch the Notre Dame game or you watch games in the period, they, they run high ball screens for Caleb Love, that run high ball screens for R.J. Davis. If it doesn't work, they just circle back and redo it again. There's not really a lot of screening for shooters. There's not really a lot of – they get the big men the ball down low and they usually kick out for open threes, but, like, they don't run enough plays to get an open three or an open shot for how well they're shooting the ball this year. They're shooting 43% from three, which is the best they've shot since 2005, which is fucking crazy to say out loud. But I I think this team is good. I think they can make Sweet 16, and then obviously – once you get in any type of those games, it's just kind of like, hey, roll the ball out there. We'll see where we're at. Um, I think the guards are good enough to win at the next level. But there is that level of concern of like, hey, like for how good they've been defensively four out of five games, there is a game like Kentucky where a team can get to the rim and just finish relentlessly. And it seems like the three games they've lost this year, they lost to Purdue, they lost to Tennessee, and they lost to Kentucky. And the recurring theme in all three of those games is how they were overmatched at- athletically. So when you have guards that are more athletic or if you have a wing forward that is more athletic than Leaky Black or Brady Manick or Dawson Garcia, you're going to have your way with them. And that's something that obviously if you want to win in March, you're going to play against top tier competition. So they're going to have to find a rhythm. Now, the Duke game, obviously, I hope we split. Um, but it, it's one of those things that I don't know if the ACC is good enough this year where they're going to provide a lot of tier one talent to, to kind of measure yourself up, up with before the tournament. So I'm higher like now it. than I was after the UK game. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and the last one for me, the last team I want to talk about, a team that if you had to, if I had to pick one team to win the national title right now, I would take them. It is the Arizona Wildcats. Um, I love this team. Tommy Lloyd has done a phenomenal job coaching this year. They lost at Tennessee the week of Christmas, but they've kind of been rolling ever since then. Beat Washington, really getting into um, conference play next week against Colorado and Utah, but. I think Mathurin, Coloco, Tabellis, um, Kerr, Creesa, like this team is phenomenal. They are international studs, <laughs> you know, a lot of international guys on their team. But I think the way they get their big they men involved, are. they're how good they are defensively, how big they are. Like they, they are just a perfect recipe for what you want in March because they can get hot from three, but they can also finish at the rim with anybody. And it's nice to know that they have a, a they can pivot if the shots aren't falling. So, yeah, I wish we really got in that USC game before it got postponed mm-hmm. on Sunday. Um, that would have been awesome. But yeah, like you mentioned Ben Mathurin and he's just freaking awesome. He's so good. And I, he was a guy that wasn't really on my radar until the season started. Mm-hmm. Um, so forgive me for that one college basketball fans, because he is tremendous. I can see where you're coming from. As far as if you have to pick one team to win the title, you pick them. Um, I'm leaning more towards Baylor repeating, not going to lie to you. I just think that everything that they bring to the table is awesome. Um, but Yes, Arizona does have a ton of really good players. Uh, right now, they're seventh on Ken Palm, and I know Ken Palm's not the be-all end-all. But you know, do I take them more than I take 
you know, Villanova, who I talk about all the time. Yes. Do I take them more than like Alabama and Ohio State? Yes. Uh, I think right now it's probably between me. It's Baylor and Arizona are probably my two teams. I'm kind of keeping an eye on as far as putting money on for the national championship. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I agree. Baylor's been phenomenal. Matthew Meyer is a freak and he's he a guy that I didn't think was as good as it was last year because he was surrounded by talent. But this year he's proven me wrong. Kendall Brown is awesome. Um, Scott Drew is a good coach. <laughs> the running bit from Titus and Tate, but yep. I'm very happy with Arizona. Very happy with Baylor. Would love to see them two teams play it out just to kind of see exactly where they're at as a litmus test. But that's kind of all I had for the, you know, mid-year check-in for those teams. Um, do you want to kind of get to our all American of the year? Of the year? Or, uh, of the, I mean, we can do all of the year, but of the <laughs> week, say. Sorry. all American of the week, I guess what all American of the last two weeks. So. Sure. Um, we already talked about him today, but I'm going to go with Johnny Davidson. I think yep. He was just absolutely outstanding in Purdue, um, playing with the best teams in the country in a hostile environment, and he was a walking bucket. Um, he won, you know, he really won that game for the Badgers and was really awesome throughout the game. So I'm going to go with Johnny Davis, man. I'm all, I'm on, on that one. Yeah. So for me, I am going to go with Jabari Smith um, for for his performance against LSU. So the 15 point win for them. He had 16 points, six rebounds, three assists. Um, a guy that is trending up the draft status, um, the draft stock, I guess, however you want to say it. But guy that I just drafted in my Kings rebuild franchise, that he's the perfect power, you know, slashing four for them. So if anybody's playing NBA 2K22 and you need a nice guy to draft, you can get him around the seven and eight mark. That's kind of where I got him. But I love him. I think he's phenomenal. I think he is the, the piece that's going to keep Auburn kind of the national title picture alive. So he is my All-American of the week. I think it's funny when you like do those like imported draft classes and I'll be like, Chet Holmgren, number 12. And you're like, who made this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Sometimes like, the one I'm using is actually pretty accurate. Like it's, it easily goes, I think it goes Chet Palo, Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivy, Jabari Smith, which is kind of a nice little, I could see any of that happening, honestly. So cool. Yeah. I send me that hashtag. So I'll use that. Send me that yeah. username. Yeah. So I want to go through this real quick just because I made it last week in quarantine and I sent it out to a couple of my scout friends and they gave me some good criticism of things I got to watch out for. So you're someone who's pretty tapped into this as well. Um, So get your thoughts. This is my uh, top 60. I won't read them in a slow Ben Stein kind of way. People don't worry. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to kind of go through and touch on these real quick. So my tier one is everyone's Paolo Jabari and Chet, Mm. Um, you know, I have Jabari right now at number two behind Paolo, but I'm getting closer and closer to putting him at number one. That picture uh, of Chet is ridiculous, by the way. Yes, it is. Yes, that it is. It's ridiculous. One ear is bigger than the other. <laughs> that kid's a weirdo. But yes, I'm with you. Jabari Smith, better than Chet. Paolo, top two, not two. That's how I look at him. Yeah, I was talking to Kyle Brandon, who, you know, shot callers, and I was like, dude, if you're a Pistons fan, if you guys pick in the top three, regardless of who you get between the three, you win. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, the, whoever you pair with up with Cade, that's your franchise going forward. So, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, that'd be awesome. Bill's one because I would love mm-hmm. to see Cade and Jabari play together. Um, yep. but yeah, so my tier two, I had Jaden Ivey, Kendall Brown, Jalen Duran, and Patrick Baldwin Jr. Baldwin's out with COVID right now, so Parker did not get to see him play against NKU this week. But, um, you know, I've kind of talked to a few people and I was like, Are you worried about the way Baldwin's shooting? And they're like, no, his team sucks. They're like, yeah. he's getting, you know, they're like, he's getting triple double teams on every time, every offensive set. So he tried he, to he, save his dad's job and it ain't not going well. Yeah. So you have any, any disagreements here? Um, Jalen, I'm, I'm a little lower on Jalen Duran than others. I think his athletic ability is there. Definitely. I, I just don't know if he's a guy you can throw the ball to in the NBA and let him 
get a bucket for you. I think he's more more Mitchell Robinson than anything, which is not a bad thing. It's just I don't know if I'm drafting Mitchell Robinson six overall. Sure. I like it. Tier three, I got Keegan Murray from Iowa, AJ Griffin, Jaden Hardy from G League Ignite, which you can really only kind of see his stats on Real GM right now. That's so mm-hmm. frustrating. And then Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee, who I was actually told by a few scouts I had a little higher than most people. I love um, Kennedy Chandler. He is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Takes yeah. care of the ball, can score at all three levels. Um, really shifty, can finish through contact for a little guy. Um, the guy I like most here is surprising. It's Keegan Murray. Guy is just phenomenal. He is like, like everything, everything that they wanted Luca Garza to be and more from last year. Um, can score, he can rebound, he can defend, he's quick, versatile. Yeah, I mean, everything you want for them. He's must watch TV. I'll even say that for Big Ten games, must watch. Yeah. Fourth tier, um, I have Ty Ty Washington, Dyson Daniels, Ben Mathurin, and Gene Montero. And I'm already going to tell you that the next time I do this, uh, Ben Mathurin will not be in tier four anymore. He's going up. Yeah. Um, That's Washington- my only. Yeah, Washington, I still really like. Um, I would have liked, you know, obviously last night he cramped up and had to leave the LSU game early. Um, but, you know, Dyson Daniels, you know, Australian kid playing for the Ignite. Looks like he's doing pretty well. And then Gene Montero is a guy a lot of people are talking a lot yeah. about right now. I, I love Ty I think his first step is explosive. He uses that that quick jab step to get in the lane. Um, can finish through a lot of people. Needs to be a little bit better of a shooter for me. Um, but I think where you have him rated this properly. Matherin's awesome for Arizona. Um, can score when he wants to, can defend, very solid human being. He's a monster, like just that <laughs> big dude, man. And he is just, he can finish at all three levels too. So I really like him as well. The G so League Ignite guys, I haven't really watched or the Overtime Elite, I haven't been too tapped into, but I know the names obviously, but not, you know, as in-depth compared to what college. Yeah, I'm going off of like a lot of hearsay on those guys, just right. from like reading like big boards and articles and stuff like that. So. I love Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy's a guy I do like though. Dude, he's so good. He's so athletic. I know, I love him. All right, so a tier five and six, I have Nikola Jovic, J.D. Davidson from Alabama, Mark Williams, Harrison Ingram, and Trevor Keels. And then tier six, I have Ushman Zhang, Johnny Davis, who I already said is going to be going up. Uh, Ocheo Agbaji, who I think I'm leaning towards busting, bu- boosting up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Houston and Peyton Watson, who I'm actually thinking about knocking down a few notches. Yeah, Caleb Houston's been a disappointment for me. Same with Peyton Watson. Um, UCLA hasn't played in forever due to COVID, so maybe... Getting them back into a rhythm with some guys being out, maybe that'll give Watson some time to step up a little bit. But the two guys I like here a lot are Mark Williams and Harrison Ingram. Mark Williams is a phenomenal defender. He can run the floor for a big guy. Um, has decent touch. I think, you know, for him to shoot a little bit better at the next level, he's going to have to really work on that. But Harrison Ingram's a guy that is he, a stud. He's like a bull in a china shop. He kind of lowers his head, plays very smooth. Um, you know, he's always poised, always in good position, kind of gets to his spots really easily. Trevor Keels is a guy that I'm kind of a little bit lower on. Um, I think he's a really good shooter, but he's been kind of shooting all over the place for Duke. And I think he's more Gary Trent light, but not as good. So kind of where I Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like Gary that. Trent's been phenomenal in NBA, honestly. So yeah, it's crazy how good he's been. And then the best of the rest, I'm not going to go through and name every single name. Um, but I will tell you from the feedback I've gotten, a lot of people have Julian Champagne higher than I do. I have him at 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, Wendell Moore, surprisingly, people have a lot higher than I do at 32. And then I mentioned Tari Eason earlier. Um, like I said, like this is a guy I got to see play a lot last year uh, when he was at his, his one year at Cincinnati before transferring to LSU. Tankathon has him right now in the top 15. Um, so people are really loving Tari Eason right now. I mean, obviously, an NBA skill set, NBA body. Um, just want to see him be a little more consistent. I mean, last night he led LSU in scoring, but shot didn't shoot the best. And right. then um, – I've talked about Nate Johnson a lot, and this isn't mm-hmm. just because he plays at Xavier. I just have a hard time not having a guy on my board that shoots seven threes a game and shoots 47% and can also mm-hmm. play perimeter defense. It's just right. 
He's got, you know, it's low on the list. You know, it's 15 Michael Molders in the NBA. There are Garrison Matthews is in the NBA. There are guys that are 3 and D guys. Duncan Robinson. There are guys that can just fill it up, and he's one of those guys I would not be surprised seeing it there. So, Yeah. And then uh, the other name, name over here that jumped out, Kadari Richmond from Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Really like him, him a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had Caleb Love at 47. What are your thoughts on that? I think he shot the ball a lot better this year, shooting 43% from three. Um, ball handling still kind of an issue, turnover prone, but he's athletic. He kind of he plays good defense when he wants to, um, and his shooting's getting better. So I think he's a, a buy low guy that you can kind of potentially, you know, lock in on. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I decided to do this. I'm going to definitely probably do this probably monthly, uh, move guys around from what I can watch, you know, from the time I can watch footage and tape and talking to people. Um, yeah, I think I'm definitely going to drop Earl Timberlake off my list. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie to you. Um, has just not blown me away like I thought he would when he came over there from Miami. Nope. Um, and I really like Iverson Molinar. I yep. really do like him. He's very good. Very, yeah, very good. Mississippi State. He's a good player. And then uh, TJD is like a hot topic right now. Have you like seen like people are like some people have him like mid first round. Some people have him not even drafted. Like he's kind of. Yeah, I mean, like like we touched on it with Indiana earlier, their their offensive struggles is, I mean, when it's going good, it's good. But when they can't put the ball in the basket, he is the reason why. And if he's struggling, then that's the reason for the decline or incline of his draft status. So I think he'll be fine. I think they'll get it figured out. Want to hear the craziest thing I heard from a scout this week? Mm-hmm. Someone told me that if they were picking the way the game's going right now with how people are playing, they would take Wendell Moore over A.J. Griffin. I don't disagree. Really? Mm-mm. Really mm-hmm. interesting. Wendell Moore is phenomenal, like phenomenal. I think he is a big frame, big kid that plays under composure a lot, can shoot the ball, gotten better every year. Um, I, yeah, AJ Griffin's injury pro man. Then these are these are nothing to mess around with. I mean, you get a guy that's showing that he can improve every year and get better and better and can shoot the ball rather than just a freaky athletic kid. Then I'm taking the the more veteran season player. So. I get it. I just really like that 68% true shooting percentage. I think that's true. that jumps off. So, I mean, right. And it's nothing to, you know, take bash an eye at. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, like I said, I'll do this probably every few months, or every month or so leading up to the draft. And I know we'll kind of, as we get to the end of March Madness, I know we kind of get into our draft mode uh, talking about that. But uh, with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's edition of At Large Bid. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. We're happy to be back doing this and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I'm so happy to be healthy again. Hmm. Um, it was terrible. Um, and obviously, you know, very excited who day Bengal fans right now. We are. Yep. So, um, but Joe that's the goat. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but thank you all for tuning in. Hopefully you have a good one. Enjoy the games and we'll be back next week. See you.